0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the
1: tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com.
0: Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. It is shortly before 11 o'clock here Saturday night. Oklahoma has picked apart, cleaned its teeth with West Virginia. 59 to 20 is the final score. Thus ends the quest for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. And the relationship between these two teams as Big 12 partners, Oklahoma 10-1, and one, no home losses against the Mountaineers in conference play, and I don't know, Chris Anderson, it seemed like they were trying to make some points at different
1: junctures of this game. This was an interesting one, and I'm honestly not even sure where to begin with this, because Feel like we're riding this roller coaster, the Neil Brown roller coaster, or at least how people feel about him. Um, and tonight was not um, something he's going to want to have on his resume. I think this was a game that started out great, went south quickly, got ugly, and things just never got better. And a lot of things that you know we warned people about, like, hey, this is you know, uh, it, it might be a little deceiving about what's happening in this BYU game. And it was back on a lot of the secondary issues, defensive issues, and shoo, like this was this was something else.
0: I find your use of the word interesting to be interesting because for about forty five minutes this was really not interesting. Oklahoma is is pretty good in two junctures of a game. Um one is the first quarter. The scoring margin is ridiculous. Don't have to tell you, but they added to it tonight by being up seventeen, seventeen. And typically This season, and and when they've been good, just because they have a very good offense. They're excellent front runners. from Stoops to Riley to now. They just dominate the second halves, and they did tonight. They got two touchdowns in every quarter, Chris. We thought that last night was bad for the basketball team. West Virginia football allowed 31 points in the first half tonight. West Virginia basketball allowed 32. And it all ends badly, because you can't have nice things right now, too. This um this this does just show separation. It does. And I don't know how much you want to talk about the game and how much you want to talk about the big picture. And when I refer to you, it's to you, Chris. It's the people listening. This feels like rinse and repeat in a lot of senses. West Virginia has been pretty good when they played pretty mediocre competition this year. They have played a small number of games against hmm quality teams, and just haven't shown up in the big spots, on the stage, in the spotlight, whatever you want to say. And their deficiencies, the concerns you have going forward, the moments that give you pause and make you wring your hands or bite your nails or really wonder about what you're doing now, what you're doing in the future, kind of come to the surface, and it happens tonight. The trouble is that Oklahoma is very good, and I don't know how you judge your team against Oklahoma where this is. As we said in our preview podcast, just a uniquely dominant team in this conference because through three coaches in West Virginia's time in the Big 12, they have been the flag bearer for the league. And they
1: look as good as anybody tonight in the Big 12. Yeah, I think that's what's most startling for people. And I think that's why anybody that over to the message board this evening, they're going to see a lot of very upset people, a lot of upset posts and threads and everything like that because it's not that West Virginia lost. This was like, I mean, the, the difference between the two teams was stark. Like, it, it was drastic Um, what was going on out there, the teams that were out there. Because even West Virginia's offense, again, that first drive looked great. It looked almost effortless moving up and down the field. You're like, okay, scripted plays, three weeks in a row, bang, 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 good to go. Um, but there was this belief that, you know, as a whole, for the whole team, for the whole game, that this offense had figured things out and turned things around. they have been scoring points against these other opponents. Maybe they would do the same thing against Oklahoma. And, you know, they ended up with 20. Maybe it could have been a little more, like, you know, a missed field goal, a couple of fourth down, non-conversions. But it looked completely rattled, that offense. It, it reminded me so much of, since we are uh, brought up the, Basketball team from last night, just the offense with that. Where I was saying when I was watch, rewatching that Monmouth game, it looked like that WVU hoops offense had such a hard time just getting to the three point line, getting inside the perimeter. Everything was such a struggle. Even when they scored, it was a struggle. And that's what it felt like with this uh, offense for West Virginia tonight. Like the 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 big plays, the runs, the dominant offensive line of the last few weeks is all gone. And it just, everything they had to get seemed like a fight just to get that. All right. So much to get to, and you've lifted the
0: lid there, but I want to stick with basketball because why not? Misery loves company, so let's bring basketball in the room here too. If you can look at Josh Highlord's situation and say, wow, just eight players, and... Some of these guys maybe shouldn't be at the Power 5 level or shouldn't be starting. They should be bench guys. Maybe they shouldn't be bench guys. They should be in a warm-up the whole game. That's valid. I think you can apply that and agree and understand their situation relative to the circumstances. You take those glasses off. You go to sleep last night. You wake up. You put them on tonight, and you look at West Virginia's defense. It's injured. It's it's missing players. It does not have depth. The depth it has probably isn't Power 5 or maybe shouldn't be getting its warm-up off. And it's out there on the field against Oklahoma at Oklahoma in a game where the winner, Chris, because of what happened today, is in a truly interesting position. For the Big 12 championship race. And sooner or later, you just can't avoid it. Like you can't stop taking punches like against Oklahoma State, West Virginia's defense looked helpless in that fourth quarter because it just couldn't get out of the way of running game. And it couldn't stop, and it couldn't tackle, and it couldn't get off of blocks. It just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. And again tonight, like Oklahoma just, it had a really big scope, Chris. Like if you're a hunter and you can see everything in the forest, it's very easy to do what Oklahoma did tonight. Like they just looked at the field and said, yep, 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 I can do this. I can pick on that guy. I can do this thing that we think is going to work. And again, helpless comes to mind. And there are things that West Virginia's defense could do. I don't know how many times you can sit in press conferences or listen to them on on the radio or on YouTube and hear, like, our landmarks in our zone aren't good. We're not getting our hands on people when it's legal. And then watch things like tonight where, like, Drake Stoops, I don't know, man, if you fingerprinted him, I'm not sure you could identify a defender on West Virginia. It just felt like that he was free the entire night, and that's his game. He's clean. He's free. He's very dangerous. And again and again with this defense. But you have to go back to who and what they have. And maybe it should be better. And I found myself writing a story yesterday for today about, hey, man, they got Caden Beiser six snaps. And they got Tyreek Austin Cave 10 snaps. And they're playing uh, Jacoby Spells 27 snaps. And I'm just going, this isn't the plan. It's not the plan. And, and is that going to be good enough to go into Oklahoma and, and hang with them and give your offense a puncher's chance in the third and fourth quarter?
1: The answer unequivocally, Chris, is no. I'm glad you went there because it that was I have three questions for you, Mike. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal my own questions. All right. Well, the first one is I have no idea why I do this for a living. <laughs> was that the first question? That was not. Okay. But it's related to what you were just talking about. The first question is, and you can give me an estimate. You don't I'm not gonna ask you to name names here. Out of the twenty-two starters for West Virginia, offense defense, how many of those twenty-two are starting at Oklahoma. Let's start. Let's start there. Part A. How many of those 22 are starting at Oklahoma right now? A well, few than half, for sure. You figure a couple offensive linemen.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of the defense here. I mean, you're probably looking at eight, maybe.
1: I think that's a very generous number. You think so? Okay. I hadn't, this is a good question. I might have to, I might have to revisit this one. Yeah. Up. I was going to say, I'm putting you on the spot. We, I didn't even tell you I was going to ask you that, but it, yeah, okay. it got me thinking with your comments there about, you know, hey, we're talking about getting a walk on ready, getting a second time transfer who hasn't played ready. But yeah, it's a good point. And it's like, how many of these guys would actually play for Oklahoma if they were at Oklahoma right now? And, and- I think how are
0: they supposed to exceed, or how are they supposed to succeed too? Like they're, they're yeah. not supposed to be out there and playing against Oklahoma. Like it's just not what the design is. And that's the flaw. Yep. Second I'll think about this. Eight feels yeah, yeah. maybe high, but I'll think about this for sure. Maybe on Monday on the Q and a, we'll
1: talk about this again. Yeah. We could talk about it Monday. Throw it is his little tidbit for your three things on mm-hmm. Sunday. I don't know. Um, Cause maybe the answer is three. I don't know. That might be too harsh. But question two, question two. Has a WVU quarterback, ever thrown a football to a running back in practice before? No is the answer. Actually, I was gonna I was gonna say that for three things, but the answer is no. It's illegal. The, the ball cannot go sideways. Okay, I just wanted to confirm that because I don't I, just watching them try to. Because even Nico did it, uh, Marquio when he came in could not throw the ball to a running back, which. I don't understand, but
0: anyway, it's been there the last couple of games too. It's been there. Yeah. It, okay, going it has, and I
1: was going to say there was one earlier in the game where green, I think he was rolling to his right and he looked at, I think it was trailing Ray who was like double covered down the field and maybe Donaldson was out in the flat, just wide open with no one within 15 yards of him. He's dumping to him and let him run and just chose not to, but even when they choose to throw it, they can't complete it it's very very strange the one that stands out is the one to
0: team white on the right sideline where i'm going by the 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 sideline like the, oh yeah it, he was gone it looked like a touchdown maybe just based on the number of hands that went to heads and like i'm pretty sure they had to like mute the boom mic on the field because every it just went silent like it was really funny it was just like you hear this like roar from the crowd like oh and then, like, someone hit the seven-second delay, like, oh, we can't have seven people saying that word on television. And I made me just think, like, I'd love to see the All-22 on that because he was definitely beyond, I believe, a linebacker. He's fast, he can scoot, if he catches that ball over his shoulder and he's running, that might be seven points right there. I- I'm going to guess that was probably a touchdown or certainly,
1: like, a big splash play. And my third question, this one is more serious and more big picture. And somebody had asked it on the board. Um, let's see see if I can find it on the board, but essentially was asking why is there such a disconnect between what they say? This person on the board on the move here we go. Er Here's Earstein asked it you know, he says fans are looking for reasons to jump on Brown, the administration is looking for reasons to keep him. Why is there such a disconnect between the fan base and the athletic department in regards to Brown? Well, here's the thing, like, he's,
0: it's very, it's, it's, Um, I don't know how to say this, but like, what's the reason to keep him that's definitive, right? And also, what's the reason to get rid of him that's definitive? He's, he's a, you know, Stringer Bell, man. He's a 40 degree day right now. It's not like sunny and 70 and you're out there having a ball and, and, and you're wearing shorts and a tank top because it's really a relief and you're enjoying this break. And it's not like 25 degrees and snowing. You go out and ski and have a snowball fight and make a snowman. It's 40 degrees. It's gray. And even in a time like this where you're thinking, hey, 6-3, and three, got a chance to make a move in the Big 12. Some crazy things happened in the earlier games today. Carpe diem, right? Nope. And pretty quickly, too, you knew it wasn't going to happen. The first drive looked great. And then I just, you just watch that sideline, man. And like, this is the weird thing about the TV copy and, and all that stuff. That's, that's kind of easy to see and maybe easy to overlook. Body language matters sometimes. And at this point, I, I really kind of think you kind of are who you are and everybody knows it too. And I say this a bunch, like guys know players know they know. And when the offense goes down and bang, 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 eight plays, 75 yards, one third down touchdown and everything looks crisp. Like it's supposed to like it has last three games. And then Oklahoma just comes down and does the exact same thing. Eight plays, 75 yards, one third down, gets a touchdown. And you're just, and if you're on offense or you're the coaches, or even if you're on defense, you're thinking, well, I hope that went better and it didn't. And you just realize that like, you got to go back and you got to be as good again and again and again, because Oklahoma is probably not going anywhere because that defense for West Virginia is not going to push back. And, and that's kind of where you're at right now is, Hey, you got this really good offense. You think, and and it's still a really good offense. It just, it kind of got out game tonight. It got outran. It could not run its race, and, and and it's it's hard for West Virginia to get out of character and play aggressive and play catch up. They can they can hold serve and they can keep volleying back and forth, but they're not going to make up a bunch of scores. So, where are you at right now? You have a good offense, but you have a deficient defense again, and that was the same last year. And last year you didn't have an offense or a defense. And there's been times in the past you had a really good defense, you didn't have an offense. So, like, what's the reason to keep them? Okay, fine. But then what's the reason to get rid of them too? Because it looks bad. This is still a good year. Like, uh, ostensibly, it's a good year. How good? We'll see. He better He better win one more game, for sure. Might want to win, too, if we're being honest. But you can't definitively answer that question. I think that's the frustration for a lot of people. Is that you, you wanted this year, after last year's, like, indifference, that they fumble the transition, whatever you want to call it. You wanted to have no shades of gray. You wanted to have an easy thumb up or an easy thumb down. And right now, you kind of have thumbs in the middle. Which is weird because they're 6-3 and playing for a chance to be in Dallas today. And then just the – it doesn't feel like a step back. It feels like they kind of got pushed back more than one step. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: You have, I give that answer a thumbs up, Mike. Good answer. Because yeah, I'm with you. Like I think that seems to be what's making everybody so angry is that it's it's happening. Then it's not. Then it is. Then it's not. Then it's you know. Then it, the reason that they're not winning is because the offense is bad. You know, again, like the beginning of the year, it was like, wow, the defense is back. Defense is good. It, it's fixed. It's fixed. But the offense is the problem now, and that's frustrating. Oh, and now the offense is fixed, but the defense is bad. This is frustrating. And again, it, it, all I keep thinking about whenever I think about kind of this team, and maybe it's over the last few years, is like one of those old cartoons where there's a leak in the boat, or a leak in the, in the room or something like that, and you see the cartoon cat stick his one finger into one hole that's leaking. And then another leak comes somewhere else. He sticks another finger, another finger. And all of a sudden he's got 14 fingers sticking into all these different holes, trying to stop all the leaks. And that's kind of what it feels like when you're watching WV football right now. Most points allowed
0: by Brown. It's 59 tonight. Um, I don't, I don't know if it could have been better, could have been worse. I'm not sure, but 59 is more than 52 allowed. Get this back in 2019. That's not what you want to do. And I think it's, let's just talk about the day, Chris, like, Oklahoma State loses. Now there's another two-loss team in the conference. You had to have somebody come back to you. You don't have to have both teams come back to you. You just got to get into the final if you want to. And I understand right now it sounds silly to talk about West Virginia playing in Dallas for the Big 12 championship, but that was the theme heading in. Hey, if you want to do this, you're going to have to beat somebody good. Here's Oklahoma. Here's the standard bear in the Big 12 for the entire time you've been in this league. And, And it just wasn't competitive, say, for about six, seven minutes. And maybe not even that four minutes in the first drive on offense, then 233. Oklahoma goes down, makes a seven seven years going. Oh boy, buckle up. Here we go. And they, and they couldn't return serve. So for about 45 minutes, this really wasn't much of a question. I would think. Wait a minute, 55 minutes. I'm sorry. Kansas loses. There goes another two lost team down to three losses. Kansas state looks good. Um, just some other things that, like, have to happen if you're going to make this a reality. I'm not saying it's 2007 where 27 different things had to happen after our loss to South Florida, where you get into the national championship game conversation. This is very different. I'm talking about a two-loss team leapfrogging some teams and having some people come back to them. But you had a chance. in all the good stuff that happened for a couple of weeks here, Just it just looks a little bit like fool's gold. But I say that, and then you look at, like, what happened in South Florida today, where Oklahoma State goes down there and just gets absolutely destroyed. So strange things do happen and, and I, I just wonder I don't I don't know how much you can make out of one game when you step back and say this is one of the best teams in the country not in the Big 12 in the country. And how much shame do you put into a loss that that was really really one-sided? I don't know. Um which kind of brings me back to this Chris like they're going to be playing for you know one of those those off-brand bowl games now. Not going to make Dallas in the Big 12 championship game. And that might have been their fate anyways, I get that. Even if they win out they might not make it. But, like, but like, who are they? Where are they? What are things right now? And do the final two games really prove anything to you if they do go 2-0? I don't know. I think it's a really interesting conversation because now, you know, like, style and points and optics and, and the visuals, ugh, man, I, I don't know what Brand Baker said one time, like, the vibes or the, the feel or something like that was going to be a variable that he had to consider here. And, man, tonight was not good, like, competitively, but also, like, aesthetically. Like, there were some really loose and undisciplined moments in that game that didn't look good that, fortunately for West Virginia, got settled down. Still part of the mosaic. And I, I just wonder how much, like, one game against a very, very good team that's just frankly better, how much that affects decisions or if you just dismiss it because there is a separation and that team is not going to be your problem anymore.
1: I'm with you. I think the hardest part of this is what do these two games – I think that the, I think the final two games are it's not a lose lose but I don't think there's anything you can gain from it like you know you go 2 and 0 it's like yeah you're supposed to do that like these are the the two remaining teams are two of the worst teams not only in the Big 12 but in power five football so you should go 2 and 0 in the final two games 3 and 7 and you, 3 and 7 yeah if you don't go 2 and 0 in the final two games then it's bad you know obviously so it's like what what exactly are you taking from this as far as making a decision? And well, that's up to Ren Baker. And again, I, I think over the last two months, what well, we, not you and I specifically, but the, the, the vibes, if you will, around the program and Neil Brown's future have gone back and forth and back and forth. That's what happens when you win four in a row, lose a couple really bad ones, and then win a couple in a row. And then lose another really bad one tonight in a different in a different way. Um it's gonna fluctuate like that. And certainly fans are um feeling all sorts of ways about this right now. And I guess the only only person or one of the only people that really matters is how Ren Baker's feeling right now.
0: Yeah. And and just like for for I don't know, anecdotally here, I think one of the people he really admires most in his, his trade is Joe Castiglione, is the athletic director at Oklahoma. And it would have meant a whole lot for, for the guy that either he had to keep or he chose to keep or he wants to stick with to go into Oklahoma and win and be like, man, you really got this thing going. And it just wasn't that tonight, but this, this was bad. It could have gotten a lot worse because there's just one of those moments, Chris, where, and everybody has seen this when a coach is losing it, there, there is a, 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 um, a, a damn breaks moment where you can't get it back together. And it just it just felt like after that third drake stoop touchdown with the anthony wilson scene in the end zone guys are like pushing and shoving everything it's like this looks bad man i'm not saying it's going to be like florida state miami and there's a brawl whatever but it just looked bad it looked sloppy it was just like this is not a collected team that and it, and it kind of came buttoned back together and and nothing more happened uh on on the west virginia side of things so oklahoma state's offensive lineman got ejected and like i see people getting mad about that but Someone stuck up for their teammate. Like I don't really. I think if it was the, the roles reversed, people would be really happy that, that happened. If a West Virginia player had been knocked down in the end zone, had been posed over, and then one of their offensive linemen said, "You know what? That's not going to work. I'm not going to have that happen. You're getting smoked, and you're not going to make us look like the fools here. You guys are the ones getting beat badly. I'm going to take this side on you." Like I don't think anybody'd be upset about that. It's football, and, and people play with emotion, and, and sometimes with a grudge too. So that's okay. But it never really unraveled past that. But it never was a uh, a game that was really in doubt, and the competition of it matters more than all. Discipline, all that stuff. Yeah, it's all part of the picture here, but it didn't go too bad. It it was wobbly for a little bit, but didn't win, didn't really hang, never got to play their game, and never really got to show, like, hey, this is why West Virginia is 6-3, and three and it is in this conversation here. Just, it just That just feels like the unfortunate part about it is they had a really good drive to start, and then it's even. And then Chris, like, 3-and-out, 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 4-and-out, And the game was gone, like as quickly as it seemed like they had a chance, it disappeared. Like it was very surprising how how fast it slipped through their fingers in that first half.
1: I'm I'm with you wholeheartedly about that. That's the most disappointing part. Is like this was an opportunity, primetime game, Fox, nationally televised, you know, outside chance of making the Big Twelve championship game you're playing Oklahoma blue blood it's leaving the leaving the conference and now people you know maybe people that are tuning in for the first time are like all right let's let's see if this is legit and then they see that and they're like oh nope moving on and that's unfortunate do you make anything of the fact that
0: Oklahoma and Texas are not here next year like maybe you don't have to measure up that sounds like really reductive and maybe unfair but they're not going to be in the big 12 and west virginia has beaten BYU, UCF, maybe coulda, woulda, shoulda beat Houston, has Cincinnati next week. These are the teams that are coming in. Some of these Pac-12 teams, I don't know. I don't think they're going to really struggle in a transition, like the group of five teams coming up. Is Arizona State dynamite? I don't know about that. Utah, Arizona, I don't know, Colorado? I'm not sure about that. It just seems like you're moving out the two heavy hitters. If West Virginia's big sin in 2023 is that it's not up to par, with two teams who were not going to be here in 2024. Well, how much do you take that out in Neil Brown? I don't know. I think it's a really interesting
1: variable. Well, it, it's the biggest variable because there is basically, just like you said, like almost like a, a power void at the top uh, of this conference when they leave. Now, I know Texas, I mean, again, you noted that Oklahoma has kind of been running the conference for a while. And, and lately, like other teams have been sneaking in there and doing things, TCU, Kansas State, but – um As far as the the recruiting part of it, the actual acquisition of talent, Oklahoma and Texas were on another level than everybody else in this league. They always were going to be. That was not going to change. And now they're gone, and there just seems to be this opportunity for a team or teams to kind of ascend to the top of the league and maybe establish themselves as, you know, maybe not to that level, but to be a team that's always considered a contender. So do you want to do that? Do you want to, I mean again, do you want to do that with brand new coach that you bring in for the very first year of this new transition? And and conversely, do you want to do that with a coach that you've had for 5 years that is 500 and you're not sure is the answer. It's it is the biggest variable I think uh, of this entire situation. Look at the Big 12 membership. Like,
0: Baylor had a run, had two runs, I guess. I'm talking about the time that WVU has been in the Big 12. Baylor had two runs, not looking good. Kansas State, coaching change. Snyder was up and down. kleiman has been down and up. Iowa State, Matt Campbell. Texas Techs had different coaches. Mike Gundy, he's going to Gundy one every year, it seems like. I mean, you can go down every Big 12 team. TCU was down with West Virginia one year, a couple years. Should have been in the playoff maybe one year. Play for the national title some other year. Like, you, you see cycles here. You add different teams and all the variables they bring. It just seems like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be cyclical. And why can't you hop in the merry-go-round and just get it once every couple of years? We mentioned this in the pregame. Like, Oklahoma's dominance in this league has been really uncanny. You might not see that in a major conference ever again. It's just so hard to do. Like, I mean, teams will have runs like Alabama or Clemson or Georgia. But those are like special programs and, and they're just so, so much of an outlier. It's just hard to say. It just makes the makes you feel like the Big 12 is going to be a lot more competitive, a lot more open to competitors for the top spots than it has been because Oklahoma's always been the one or one of the two and and they're not going to be there anymore, too. How about the game, Chris? We talked about the game at all. Um we've been talking about big picture stuff, opportunities squandered, you know, forgiving this flaw accentuating that one we've kind of overlooked the game which maybe we're not the only ones who did highlights lowlights, talking points here it, it, it does feel like it followed a script that was like more of a tragedy or comedy than than maybe you, you predicted or you expected if you were an optimist but if we're trying to figure out how this is a 12 and a half to 14 and a half point spread we, we got a pretty good look at why early on
1: Yeah, I think I was looking at my three keys and like one of the first ones again you we, what were we going to talk about uh after the game said first quarter lost that one uh one of the keys uh, I believe the number 1 of my three key matchups was West Virginia's second and third line or West Virginia's secondary uh, and their ability to tackle in space um not great at that today I don't think um and You know, I I, there's honestly I don't know what else there is to say about the about the actual game itself. I I think maybe the thing that I'm watching closely, most closely, because yeah, I I didn't have faith in the secondary. I have been very open about that. I think it's the Beanie Bishop show, and that's about it. Um, back there, like all across the entire secondary, wide receivers were disappointing again. Oh boy, um, that. Again, we I put it on, on Twitter, put it in that thread. That one Devin Carter play was like I mean, I don't know how many times you can give up on the same play, but that was a lot. And then running backs, meh. I mean, Donaldson looked like he was running okay, um, especially for an offensive line that wasn't doing great. But the thing I'm watching closest, quarterback man, like yeah, ten of thirty-one, the two quarterbacks, ten of thirty-one. With two interceptions, it's not great. I mean, no, and I get it. They just kind of changed their, you know, how they were approaching, and they switched to what would you call it—the Rex Grossman, screw it, throw it deep, yeah, uh offense. But ten of thirty-one. Come on, they're, they're just not made to play like that. That's all. Like they, they got to be
0: balanced within like striking distance or in the lead or whatever. And, and you see why? They just have shortcomings. They they don't have reliable receivers they can do stuff with. Uh, there there's a play where EJ Horton is I think he's outside and Carter's inside. And they kind of do like a switch where they run in, he runs in and Carter runs out. And it's one of those things where like you throw that ball middle right, and it's 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 not a touchdown maybe, but it's a long game. You, you let the guy run under it and it lands in the left hash. And it's like, uh you scheme up a good play and you have a chance to do something with it, and the ball just goes to the wrong spot. And yeah, 10 completions, you're not going to win games. Like Pat White can, not Pat White, and doesn't have their offensive that around him, too. And it's, again, against a team like you're playing tonight, just the margin is so small for your offense because your defense is what it is, and it's going to be difficult here. Um, apart from that, like, I just, I just don't know what to say. Like, the, the obvious stuff was obvious, like what you thought about, worried about, talked about, fretted about before the game. I mean, other teams watch film, and, and again, you get deep, this deep into a season, a season; these aren't coincidences anymore. Like things happen because teams look at stuff and say, "All right, we're good at this," and, and you're not. Let's see if you can stop this. And sometimes you do, and, and frequently you don't. And that's why stats add up, and why why you have like these trends that just really mean something. And and now it's up to you to figure out. Okay, the big goals are gone, but you still have a chance to win eight games in the regular season to have a nice bowl game. Maybe be warm in a week in December. Maybe be done with your season by December 16th. Who knows? We'll see. They have two games left against three and seven teams, and they they gotta win one of them for sure. Otherwise, this is going to be a very interesting off season, and and I just being home would be great. Cincinnati beats Houston tonight. That Houston loss looks just even worse and worse every time now, and and that's another variable. Like, how do you how do you look at that and say, you know what, play great on offense and, and should have beat them, could have beat them, but didn't? Do you count that as half a win? I don't know. There's there's that's why the for the millionth time, Chris. Would love the paycheck, would hate the work. Very complex conversation to have after a night like tonight.
1: Yeah, not easy. And yeah, you noted Houston loss and all all three teams that beat West Virginia prior to this weekend lost today. So that is, yes, that is now you know, just full resume kind of falling apart for WVO. Tough to do. Tough to do. All right.
0: Done with this. Band aid ripped off. Now we begin the healing process. If you're down on the dumps about this game here. Fortunately, you have, um, oh, well, well, uh, all right. That doesn't count. Um, you have, a uh, uh, well, tomorrow morning you'll have plays that change the game power rankings actually accomplished three things. I think three things I know. Snap counts, notes and quotes. Am I missing anything? Chris, anything up your sleeve here that we should be uh, a little bit more optimistic or cheerful about.
1: Uh, we're approaching like, Top of the you know peak recruiting season, so get ready for some more recruiting news. We had big uh, midweek buzz last week that kind of laid everything out. That really got a lot of people talking about West Virginia's plan and the situation right now. Um, it's going to get interesting over the next few weeks, that's for sure. Can we talk about that, or is that still uh, taboo? About what the the, the nugget? Plan. Yeah, yeah, just about you know, about how many uh, guys they're targeting, and and there's still targets left to go at the high school level. Is that like an if-then there? You know, like if they're doing this, then we can assume blank. I don't know. I think the plan is like six-ish high school guys, and but they have to be the top, like top of the line. Like this isn't this isn't like the early days of the recruiting cycle where it's like, hey, here are top guys, and if we don't get those guys, then we move to these guys, and then we move to these guys. This is here are the guys. If we don't get these guys, that's it. Like you move on and wait and see what's gonna happen with guys leaving and what you're gonna do in the transfer portal. So it's a little different, but yeah, like if the right guys come around, you could see an, another six high school kids in this class.
0: And again, that that really underscores the value of of wins in the final two games and maybe you know that, that time between the end of the regular season and the bowl game is prime recruiting time because that signing day is uniquely situated now where it's in a really good spot if you got good things going. Um, if you don't have good things going, you really got to work hard, like harder than normal in those those couple of weeks. So, could be good news for West Virginia if they take care of business in these final two games. Got to leave this one on the side of the road on the way back for Norman, fifty nine to twenty. Audio Sooners. Don't know if or when these two will see each other again outside of a bowl game. So, again, not their problem anymore. And maybe that's something that is a is a plus tonight. We can figure that out in the future future that has plenty of things about this game and then what else awaits the West Virginia Mountaineers until next time I am Mike Kazaza. now I'm Chris Anderson we will talk to you then okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it